This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ continues his message on the heart of the Father with a message called, How Do Others See You? We are called to be men and women of God. That means we should be reflecting God's character to others. So the question is, can others see God in you? We hope you enjoy this message. and I'm not, and they're not even a believer. We're going to be talking about things about that over the next few weeks, starting the 28th of April, and I'm very excited about those messages, what God has given to me and put in my heart. Uh, some time ago, a couple weeks ago, matter of fact, Cheryl and I and her sister and her brother-in-law, Ron, we had an opportunity to watch the movie, and don't stone me, The Patriot's Day. How many of you ever seen the movie The Patriot's Day? It's the true story. That's why we watched it. It's the true story of the Boston Marathon bombing. I mean, remember that, the Boston Marathon bombing? It happened in 2013. There was 264 people that were injured. And remember that, 264 people that were injured. There were three people that were killed in that tragedy. But what amazed me about that movie here was a true story. And what happened when Mr. Wahlberger, was, was the Mark Wahlberger was the, the co-star or the main star in the movie. And what happened in that movie was is that they found out as they began to investigate Mark about the, the, the criminals, they went along each business along the parade route. And they found out that each business had surveillance cameras outside each building. And so what they did is they went to all these buildings and they began to get all their surveillance tapings, all the tapings of what took place that event and that time period. And so what they did is they pieced it all together and they broke it all down and they zoomed in on different things and different pieces, people and different uh, things that were going on and events that happened at that time. And they discovered from the surveillance, John, Pastor John, that they discovered or they found the culprits of who created or done the bombing. And what happened was they identified the young man with the backpack on and how he was walking to the strategic places where he placed the bombs at. And, and, and they were able to discover him. And not only were they able, to, Chris, to discover him, but they also got a good distinction or a good picture of him that they remember and they were able to put it on Fox News and CNN and they broadcasted it out there. This is what the, 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 the bomber looks like and so on and so forth. And because because they had the surveillance camera on him, they were able to catch the criminals. And how many of you today know that everywhere we go, everywhere we go, good to see you, everywhere we go, man, I love this, man, they're my friends, interruption break, amen, I love them. But uh, everywhere we go, how many of you know we can pull out our phones and anywhere you can take your phones, you don't have to have your big cam Canon camera anymore, your big Polaroids or whatever. Now you can take out your phone, and anywhere you go, you can take pictures. You know what I'm talking about? And then not only can you take pictures, but you can also take videos everywhere you go. How many of you know you're being watched, right? So here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor. Everybody take out your phones. Come on. You're taking out your phones in church, not to check your checks or your email, all right? I want you to go to your camera setting. Go to your camera setting, all right? Now, go to your camera setting, take out your phones. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a picture of the person next to you. All right? Come on. Take a picture of the person next to you. Come on. Take a picture to the person next to you. Take a pose. Take a pose. All right. Take a picture of the person next to you. All right? You got it? All right. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Now, stand up. Check this out. Now, tell me your picture. Come here. Come here. Tell me your picture. 
That's my I see your picture. <laughs> your name in lights above it. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Now tell me your picture and what it's all about. Describe. Uh, my brother-in-law. Okay, describe him. Uh, he's wearing a plaid blue shirt, looking at his wife like, do I really have to take this picture right now? <laughs> Hello, actually. He looks really amused. Oh, there, that. Uh, he's smiling. Ooh, he's smiling. <laughs> he must really love you, right? So in other words, you got his plaid shirt, he's smiling. What color hair has he got? Brown. Well, you supposed to look at the picture, not him. <laughs> what, what, what's the picture say? Like a brown, dark brown. Okay, is he good looking? No. <laughs> all right, all right. Come on, Lisa, tell me your picture. Oh. Come here, come here. Uh, it's Mark. Okay, who's Mark? Uh, Mark, wave your hand, Mark. He's right. my kid's dad. The kid's dad, all right. <laughs> yep. Okay. And he's wearing a gray sweater, and he has a funny little smile on his face, like, oof, I have to take a picture of you. And <laughs> he has gray sideburns. Ooh, gray. Probably uh -oh. from me. <laughs> Are you trying and to say you're stressed? Bushy eyebrows. Bushy eyebrows? Oh, okay, all yep. right. Okay, all right. Okay, now, Steve. This is one. This one better be good, okay? All right, Steve. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, now, you better, not, you better not mess this one up, dude. Come on. Tell me what it is. Uh, the prettiest girl ever. Oh, there you go. Look at that. There you go. All right, all right, all right. So she has her eyes closed. Huh? She has her eyes closed? Maybe she's praying for you. <laughs> Tell me about this girl. Mm. He's, he's, he's flunking. He's engaged to her. No. It's calling it as though they were. You got to say yes. You got to agree with me. All right. Now, she's a horse rider. Mm-hmm. What else? Come on. She's my girlfriend. Woo, my girlfriend. All right. You love her? I sure do. Woo, there you go. All right. All right, Harlan. You, get, you got a phone? All right, who's got a picture? All right, come on. Come on. All right, tell me about, tell me, tell me. There's a reason for this. Hold on. Right. Describe your picture. All right, it's my wife. She's uh, just got done taking the picture of the person next to her and is laughing at what you were saying with a big smile on her face. She didn't notice I take, took the picture of her. <laughs> so she got a big smile on her face. What color clothes is she wearing? Uh, green. What colors are here? Brown. Brown. Amen? All right. So why did I have you do that? Because everywhere you go, you're being watched. And if you notice, you were describing each person by a different thing. Her green shirt, brown hair, him plaid shirt, dark hair, Mark, bushy eyebrows, gray sideburns, my girlfriend with her eyes closed, who I love, who I'm formally going to, futurely, in the future, going to get engaged to, hopefully. I'll help him even buy the ring, amen. Right? But the point is, did you notice that you had a picture or an identification or a look about that person in which you took the picture of, right? You described them by their clothes, their color of their hair, how they looked. Uh, in this first service, it was crazy. This one lady, she, they took a picture of her, and she stuck out her tongue, and it was hilarious. It looked like she was getting her tonsils checked or something, you know? But the point is that we... Look at people by the outward appearance. Isn't that right? 
by how they look, by how they act. You've got a plaid shirt on. Isn't that something how she identified you as a plaid shirt? Dark hair, right? Bushy eyebrows, right? Sleepy eyes, green shirt. Every one of us is identified in a certain way. But God looks at differently. And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 17, it says these words. Watch what he says. That God takes a picture of you. What man looks on the outward appearance, God doesn't look on the outside. And so when God describes you, he doesn't describe what you look like on the outside. What you're wearing, Charmin, what you look like, that you got a black sweater on, that you have glasses on, that your hair is blonde. He doesn't describe you that way. God looks at things differently. And a lot of times we judge people by how they look, dress, act, their hairstyle, whatever. We judge people and we make assumptions that they're this way. Right? But look at what God says. God says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. In other words, what Samuel was doing, he was coming to find the king to anoint him as king. And here was eight other brothers that came before him, and not one of them God selected to be the king. And leading up to this verse, he said, we have another son, but he's out tending the sheep. So in other words, the father and even the brothers looked at him as a, maybe a low life, useless, not good for anything. He's out tending the sheep, and if he was worth of value, he wouldn't be tending the sheep, but he'd be with us. But he's not worth value, so we're just putting him out by the sheep. But God said, don't look at his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Now watch this. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. See, we're so prone to look at people and we judge them by the cover and what they look like. But it's really not the cover. We need to read the book. And we'll never read the book if we never get inside the cover. And the cover, what you got to get into is you got to get into the meat of the book or into the context of the book, which is you, it's your heart. And God says, don't look at the things that people, people look at the outward appearance, the green shirt, the plaid shirt, the dark hair, these, this, that, and the other thing, the eyes being closed, all these different things that we just described, Michael. But what happens, he says, listen, people look at that, Liz. But God looks at what? The heart. You see, the reason why God says, I look at your heart is because that's what matters to me. God says, I don't care what you look like here. I care what you look like in here. Because out of the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. Your mouth will reflect that which is in you. Your mouth speaks what's inside your heart. Your heart is the container of that which you're thinking about, what you're acting about. I always say this, right thinking is right living. Right living is right thinking. So whatever you think, you're going to have right living or you're going to have wrong living. Whatever you put into your heart, your heart is the Tupperware that seals whatever you put in and whatever you open up is going to come out. So look at what he says. Notice what God looks at us. It's not by how we dress, look like, or act, but by our heart. That God said, I look at your heart. You see, how many remember the day, Stephen, when you fell in love with your girlfriend? I remember that day, Wednesday night. He was happy, happy, happy. 
I mean, he was bouncing around. He looked like Tigger the second. I call me Tigger. Steve was so, but you could tell he was in love. But he was bouncing down. She's my woman. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Put my soul train on here. Man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You don't know that anyways. But you can, you can tell that he was in love. You can tell that he was in love with her. Because he gave his heart. How many know that people can tell, now get this now, the difference between the unbeliever and the believer by their love for God? Come on now. What makes the believer different from the unbeliever? By our heart. By our love. You see... People always say to me, Pastor, how can you tell the difference between the unbeliever and the believer? Well, I can tell the difference by what comes out of their mouth. Because what's in their heart is going to come out of their mouth. Right? So it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says these words, Above all else, guard your heart. In other words, protect your heart because your heart is the container. And what you let in is also going to come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. So you got to be careful of what you let in. You are the gatekeeper or the one that directs and protects your heart. You are the security guard over your heart of letting those things in, of what you want to hear, what you want to affect your heart, what you want to affect your life, whether good or bad. And sometimes you wonder why you're happy, happy, happy. Maybe it's because you're having a good diet of those things that you're letting into your heart that are good. Or maybe you're sad, mad, and upset. Maybe it's because of the bad things that you're letting into your heart. And whatever's going into your heart is now coming out of your life. And what's happening to you, you are judged not only by when by your picture or what color shirt you're wearing or by your hair, but you as a Christian are judged by your actions, words, and deeds. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14.2 that we are peculiar Mali people. Peculiar means different. Peculiar means being set apart. Being set apart, being different from the world. How many of you know that we're of the world, but we're not part of the world? That we live in this world, but we're not supposed to do the things of the world. Because how many of you know it's easy to go with the flow, Gail? It's easy to go with the flow. But as a Christian, it's harder to go against the flow. Because, man, it's one of us and maybe ten of them. And, you know, that's not a fair fight. But when you take a stand for God, there needs to be something peculiar and different that stands out above the norm. And what stands out above the norm for us that people can see Christ in us is that we don't go with the flow, but we go against the flow representing Christ. And that's how people can know who we are. But it says to guard your heart. You ever notice why it says that, guard your heart? And it says, listen, for everything you do flows from it. Flows from your heart. It's like this. Why does, why does the Lord say guard your heart? Because it's what comes inside of you, what you allow inside of you is going to come out of you. Have, uh, <clears throat> your heart doesn't lie. How many of you know your heart doesn't lie? Your heart doesn't lie. It speaks out what's inside it. It acts out what's inside it, and it's a dress rehearsal of who you really are. Wow, your heart. 
Who lives on the throne room of your heart? It's the Lord. And out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of times people see you by what you see and hear coming out of your mouth. What is coming out of your mouth? Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says these words. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. Now watch this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Can you always tell when people are full of the Lord, what are they going to talk about? They're going to have Christian cliches. They're going to have Christian uh, Christianisms. And they're going to have, oh, praise you, Jesus. A lot of these things are going to come out of their mouth. You can always tell where a person's interest is. If it's in sports, what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about a lot about sports. If your hobby is, is maybe doing mechanical work or maybe carpentry work, what are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about your interests. How can people really know Jesus if he's really not being talked about? Because a lot of times if it's not in our heart to talk about them, then we're not going to talk about them. But you're only going to talk about what you put in your heart. People make judgments by what you do, how you dress, what comes out of your mouth, and how you treat others, right? How many know that's true? So a lot of times what makes us different, the heart of the Father is, what do people see in you? How do they see you? How do they see you different? What makes you separated from the world? What makes you different from a believer and an unbeliever? The Bible says in James 2.19, even demons believe there's a God. So anyone can say, I love God, I love the Lord. But you know what? We can honor him with our lips, but our heart can be far from him. What makes a difference is that, God, I'm going to reflect you that, Lord, I'm going to not only reflect you, but I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to be a pace setter. I'm going to be one that people are going to know, recognize, and sense that there's something peculiar and different about me because, God, you live in me. Amen? I hear people all the time say, why should I want to be a Christian when he or she proclaim and profess to be a Christian, but they're no different from me? Matter of fact, they're even worse than me. So why should I want what they have because the product in which they're professing and proclaiming and wanting me to receive is obviously not working on them. This Jesus thing is not transformed or changed their life because they're still the same crabby, upset, mad, angry person. So why should I want that? You see, Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 says this. Thus by their fruit... You will recognize them. In other words, by the fruit, you will recognize them. It's pretty cool because Marilyn sits in the first service, and Dan, I love it because Dan, her husband, goes to Texas every year. And at, like, a month ago, the uh, grapefruits mark, the grapefruits and the oranges came out there in Texas. And some of you guys were recipients of it. I know Mark, uh, uh, Michael was, I was, Jeff was. And what he done, he picked grapefruits. He has a grapefruit tree and an orange tree there in Texas in his property there. And so what he did is that the day he picked them, he picked them off the tree, put them in the box, put right to the post office, sent them to me, and the next day, Harlan, I think you got some too, didn't you? The next day I got them. They were two days after being picked. And when I got them bad boys, man, I ate them. I bit into them. Bam! They went all over my face. I was, man, these were bad to the bone. They were good. But I could identify that this is a grapefruit. This is an orange. I could identify what kind of fruit they were. You see, people can identify you by the fruit that you bear. You listen to this. I love this. We are not supposed to judge, but we are supposed to be fruit testers. 
Judge not, lest you be judged. Take out the speck in your own eye before you take it out of someone else's. But what God wants us to do is to see what is their fruit. Are they really living the life? Is there really the fruit showing that they're a believer in Christ? Are they really being his hands and his feet extended? And I love what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says this. Now, I want you to see the sequence. you got to get this now. The sequence of how the fruit lines up in the order, Michael, of the fruit. Watch what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that lives in you. How many of you know that the Spirit transforms, changes, rearranges your life? How many of you know where you once were lost but now you're found? How many of you know when you were lost, maybe you were angry, mad, upset, all these different things? When my dad got saved the last three years of his life, he before that he was an angry person. He was always very cynical, critical, man kind of guy. But the last three years of his life when I led him to the Lord, I mean to tell you, man, it was crazy, Pastor Jack. It was unbelievable. The last three years of my dad's life, he was totally transformed. People knew him as this angry, upset kind of guy. But now these three years, he couldn't stop. He wanted to be in church every day. He wanted to man the same pastor. And he went to a Lutheran church. And they appointed pastors there. So they took the pastor out. And he got mad. Man, I just started liking this guy. Now they take him out. And he went through all these types. And you're like, man, this is my dad talking about church. This is my dad. Who is this guy? But you can see that he was totally transformed. But when Jesus comes into your life, he takes the old and brings in the new. And that new is showing your fruit. You once were angry, but now you're full of joy. You once were upset, but now you're happy. You once were maybe a, a, a sailor that man had many, many different kind of words coming out of your mouth, but now you guard that. You see, there's a change in who you are that people can see and recognize and identify that, wait a minute, I knew him and her when they were like this. But now, what's happened to you? Some time ago, Cheryl and I had the opportunity when one of my friends got married. And now I'm, when I got saved, I, I immediately left all my, my associations of my friends with my drug friends and all blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I got invited to come back, Michael, to one of my friends' wedding. And so we went to my friend's wedding, and it was so cool. We were down in Kenosha, and we went there, and... Here we are at the wedding reception and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, all these people that I knew that I grew up with and used to party with and do all the things that I'm with, they all started coming up to me and they called me Johns. Johns, what happened to you? What's different about you? What, what happened? You, you used to be one of us. You just snorted the coke, man. You, you, you did all the coke you did and you, you did all what you did. You got... You shot heroin with me, with, man, and you got the tracks on your arms. And, Johns, you did all these things with me. What, what happened to you? Well, let me tell you what happened to me. J-E-S-U-S, he's my Lord and King. J-E-S-U-S, my everything. You don't know that neither. All right? So what happened to you? Because Jesus transformed my thinking, my heart. And now made me peculiar and separated and different from the world. What makes you different is that Christ wants to transform you and change you from the world so that people can follow you and see the example of Christ in you that they're going to want you. They're going to want what you have. But why would people want what we have if we're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing? Where is the hope 
that the world is looking for if we're not showing it, if we're not living it, and most of all, if we're not being it. Think about it now, right? So look at Galatians 5, verse 22, and back to that verse, check this out. But the fruit of the Spirit, now get the sequence now, number one is love. How many know that everything has to operate on love? God is love. God so loved the world. If you do not know love, you do not know God because God is love. 1 John 4, you have to love God. God is love. Everything we do is love. You do things out of love for your kids. You buy them clothes because you love them. You take care of them. You feed them. You buy them uh, different things for school because you love them. You take care of your spouse and you go to work because you love her. You love him. You do all these things that you do. It evolves around love. You take care of your neighbor. You love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we Revolves around love. But then it goes on to say, now watch the sequence. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to look distinctly at two different gifts, two different fruits. The first one is love. It's the first bookend. Right? What's the last one? Self-control. If you lose love... And if you lose self-control, guess what happens? All those books fall. Because if you lose self-control, that means anger. That means you say things that you shouldn't say. That means you throw your fist up in the air. You, man, man, do things, maybe throw things, whatever the case may be. And then what happens is when you lose self-control, guess what? You lose gentleness. When you lose gentleness, you lose faithfulness. When you lose faithfulness, you lose all those things, goodness, kindness, forbearance. You wonder why. Maybe you don't have joy in your marriage. Maybe you lost your love. You wonder why maybe you don't have peace. Maybe you lost your love. You see, one of those bookends, if one of them falls off, all the others fall. So you got to walk in love and walk in self-control that holds everything together. So that's what makes the difference in our life. If you want your, your house to be in order, you want your books to stand straight up, you have to continue to walk in love. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to forgive 70 times 7. I'm going to love you, man, through good things and bad things. We have to choose to love. We have to choose to forgive. That, God, I'm going to love you. But then it goes on to say, watch this, in verse 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, I die to the old nature, I die to the old self, I die to how I used to be. That's, now get this, guys, that's what makes you and I different. What makes us different, Charmaine, I so fun. Guys, I'll tell you, this is not a hidden secret. Charmaine, man, if you guys knew her story, and a few weeks ago we had the opportunity to celebrate with her one year sobriety for what God did for her. Man, amazing. Amazing. It was unbelievable. And Charmaine, look at your whole family here today. It is so cool to see a transformation of her life right here. Because then why? She died to herself. She died to the old nature, the old thing. And I bet you, Charmaine, people are probably coming to you saying, Charmaine, what happened to you? You were one of us. But see what it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified. In other words, died to the old nature. You've changed your clothes, your thinking, your outlook, your way. That's what makes you live different. You see, it's easy to get amongst a bunch of guys, guys, and just get amongst a bunch of guys and start gossiping and maybe complaining, saying some gray things that we shouldn't be saying. It's easy to do that, but it's harder to walk away sometimes. 
What makes us different is walking away. Say, listen, I, hey, I, I'm, you know, I appreciate what you guys made, but hey, I, I just don't want to go there. And that right there lets them know that what you're different. That right there says, hey, I, 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 don't, I don't go for that. You see, but since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That God, I want to keep in line with what you have for me in my life. You see, listen. If we are changed, transformed, and now living in Christ, our life should show it to the Lord first, to God, I'm going to prove you first, to myself second. Take pride in who you are and to others third. People don't have to judge you. They can see it in your lifestyle in which you live. You see, just like I said, everybody's taking pictures. You're watched everywhere you go. Phones everywhere. Surveillance cameras everywhere. You're being watched wherever you go. And you know what? Most of all, you're being watched. When you label yourself as being a believer in Christ, you're even magnified even more. Because people are waiting for you to stumble, to fall, and make a mistake so that they can come back and say, I thought you were a Christian. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I thought you were a believer. Shame on you, sinner, sinner, down below, pucker up and let it go. Right? I thought you were a believer. What are you doing that for? So when, how do people see you? And i got to move quickly. How do people see you? Number one, do they see you angry and upset? Do they see you angry and upset? Are you always mad at the world? You notice what James says, James chapter 1, verse 19. James gives us three Simple principles. Now, I want you to see this. Three simple principles. Watch this. My dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to us. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. In other words, stop trying to solve the problem before they get done speaking. Because what happens, get this now, what happens is when you're trying to figure out the problem, you're not hearing everything that that person is saying. You're only hearing what you want to hear. And what you're not normally hearing is maybe the negative thing of it. And that's what you're pouncing on and you're creating a bomb. So what we do is we try to fix it before we listen. How many can say amen? Somebody say ouch. And we, we want to we fix it instead of listen. So he says, listen, we should be quick to listen. Number two, slow to speak. Why does he say slow to speak? How many have done this before? Open mouth and insert foot. Because we didn't listen, and because we didn't listen clearly and fully to what they had to say, and you're yelling across the room or through different bedrooms, and you're only hearing bits and pieces, and you come out of the room, what did you say? What's that all about? Come on. Oh, me. Right? Quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, bite your tongue, stop trying to fix it, but then look at what he says, and slow to become angry. And where anger sets in is when we don't listen and we don't take time to hear and the process before we speak. How many wish you could take back some of the words that you said? How many of you know that the little, little saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me? How many of you know that's not true? Words do hurt. How many of you still, maybe you don't have to show hands, but I know for me, 
that, man, in my, my lifetime, people spoke some words over me. And, man, trust me, they cut to the core. They cut to the core. And one in particular was a teacher in sixth grade. I really wanted to play an instrument. I really did. My family was all instrumentally inclined. My father played every instrument there was. I'm supposed to take on this trait, like father, like son, right? So I started trying to play an instrument in sixth grade. Well, the teacher in sixth grade told me I had too many thumbs. In other words, I wasn't coordinated. I wasn't good enough and so on and so forth. You know what that did? It killed me. And you know what? Today, I'll be honest with you, that one, those words, those words, sticks and stones may break my bones, those words kept me from playing the piano or the drums. And I, I look back today in my ministry, if I could have played the piano, man, how that could have helped me in worship and so on. But because I listened to a lie, I fell into the trap and I never pursued it. And I wonder sometimes the words we say. The words of our mouth, are they edifying, life-giving? Do we eat the fruit thereof? And then it goes on to say, become angry. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Wow. I mean, you know, that's a tough one. You know, the comedian Flip Wilson, he was famous for the one-liner. You know what it was? The devil made me do it. Whenever he would make a mistake, whenever he would say something, he would always say, the devil made me do it. And you know what happens when we get angry? We say things, do things that we shouldn't do. And you know the old cliche is Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen and all the king's men tried to put Humpty back together again, Right? But you know what? When you put something that's broken back together again, it never goes back to its original form. There's always cracks. There's always maybe slivers that didn't get back to its original form. And so what happens sometimes in our anger, we sin. Maybe we lash out at our coworker. Maybe we lash out at our kids. Maybe we lash out at our spouse. Maybe we lash out at our friends. And usually what it is, a lot of times... We lash out to the ones that are closest to us because we know that they love us and accept us and forgive us. So I can always take it out on them. And not realizing the consequences of what you're doing to them. So sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, deal with it. Because if you don't, listen what happens. Do not give the devil the foothold. In other words... By you angry and maybe sinning and doing things, you're letting the enemy advance on you. And isn't that what we're trying to do is go forward and not backwards? And every time we do these things, the devil's getting a foothold or a stranglehold on us or a grip on us and try to go forward, and he's holding you back. And then you got to go back to square one and start all over again because I got angry and I got upset. But look at what your notes say, and i got to move quickly. Anger hurts more than it helps. How many know that's true? Anger or it hurts your image. It hurts your image, your witness, your character. And it hurts those around you. Wow. Your witness is your testimony. I'm a witness for Christ. Anger thinks that I've always had the right to be upset. It's my way or the highway. I got a right to be upset. 
Anger says, here's what anger says. Anger says things like, I will repay them back for what they did, or I will not let them get the upper hand on me. Anger. But we're Christians, and we're supposed to forgive. How do people see you? Number two, do people see you living a double life? A double life. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to love one or hate the other. You can't do the hokey pokey. Put your left foot in. You put your left foot out. You put your left foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. And you know what? That's what we do sometimes with God. We got one foot in and one foot out. And we're dancing with the Lord and then we're dancing with the world. Who's your dancing partner? I love to dance, but I dance with him now. You see, listen, what do people see? Are they seeing a double life here that you can lift your hands and praise God, say the right cliches? But what about at home? You see, it's at home in the secret place when maybe no one's watching or maybe your kids are watching. Maybe your spouse are watching. Maybe your neighbor's watching. And you're labeling yourself Christian, Christ-like. And what do people see? One day you love God. You see, one day you don't. One day in. Saying you're a Christian and being a Christian is two different things. Don't expect others to follow, believe, and worship the Lord if you are setting the wrong example. If you are setting the wrong, what kind of example are you setting? What kind of example are you setting before people around you? Why would people want what you want if you're not living it out? You see, how does products always spread? Maybe you brought Tide or All Detergent or maybe you used Crest, but you brought Crest toothpaste or you brought All Detergent maybe because someone told you about it, right? They told you about this product. You got to try this product. It's the best product. You got to try it. So what do you do? You go and buy the product. And sure enough, you brought the product, and it was exactly like those people said. You know what? I hate to say it, but what's the product that we have? It's Jesus. And how would people want that if it doesn't do what it says it's supposed to do? Especially in you. Why would I want that? It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my resources to follow Christ when it hasn't changed you. How do people see you? You see, do they see a double-minded? You see, in 1 John 2, 6, it says these words. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We all claim. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1, 16. Right? Lord, people don't want to hear you. They want to see you. Because talk is cheap and actions are deep. Go ahead. Number three, do people see you forgiving? Why is it, can I ask you something? Why is it that we want to be forgiven? We want to be forgiven. We want others to forgive us. Maybe about something you've done. Maybe you're upset that, man, I did that so many years ago, but yet they still can't forgive me. Well, let me ask you. You want others to forgive you, 
but do you forgive others? We're ready to embark on Easter, and this is why I'm talking about this, because I'm praying that we can be a reflection of Christ, that we can invite people to come to Easter, this resurrection service. But can you fathom this as we're ready to embark on this great, great day? One of the last words that Jesus said, suffering, hanging on the cross, suffocating, that's how he died, he suffocated. What he said, his last words before he gave up the spirit, Father, 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 forgive them, forgive them. And they're all ridiculing, spitting on him, mocking him, ridiculing all these things that they're doing and why he's on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he gave up his spirit. The last things Edie, he said before he gave up the spirit, forgive them. Gail, can you imagine the last words? If it was you and I, our last words would probably, we knew we were dying. I want the thickest steak, the best steak I can possibly buy. That's what I want. That's my last words. Or my last words is, I want to tell my pookie woman, I love her so much. Tell my kids I love them. But Jesus' last words was says, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what they do. Can you, can you imagine that? You see, are you still talking about the offenses someone did to you several years ago? Are you still talking about that? Are you still going around that same tree? Man, you've been set free from that 10 years ago. God says, I remember your sins no more, and I blot them out. So why are you remembering them? God doesn't remember them. So when you go to God, God says, when you go to the altars and you say, God, forgive me for this, God, 10 years ago. God said, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. God says, I blotted them out. Why are you remembering them? I don't even remember. If I don't remember them, why do you remember them? Because you know why you remember them? Because it brought pain to you. It brought hurt to you. It brought scars to you. It brought maybe shame to you. And so therefore, because you maybe were shamed, you were scarred, you were wounded, you can't let go of that. And now you got these defenses up. And you're so afraid to let people in and even let God out. And so what happens is you got this wall of unforgiveness up. And you're walking around this world mad, upset, shaking your fist at the world, and even mad at your kids, your spouse, those around you, because you got a wall of unforgiveness. Woo, somebody say amen. You see, look at forgiving is a lifestyle that you choose and not by what others can or cannot do for you. It's a choice. Forgiving cleans your heart, sets you apart, and lets others know and see who you really are. Can I be blunt with you? I'm so grateful for my wife that she forgave me. She forgave me, Becky. She forgave me. Ah, she forgave me. I was lost in sin through burnout. All the stupid things I did, Karen, I made a mistake. 
that could have cost me my family. She forgave me. Let me ask you something. Is what you're holding on to unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, hatefulness? Is it really worth it? You're a believer. You're a child of God. You're set free. Don't let the enemy get a foothold on you any longer. Rise up. Be who God created you to be. That is forgiven, set free, washed and cleansed under the blood. No longer to remind you of your past, your faults, your failures, and the offenses that people have done in your life. You are born. You are born, Becky, to soar. You are born to soar. You are not these prairie chickens. You are an eagle that is born to soar. Chris, that God has called you. Say, fly, eagle, fly. That's what God's heart is for you. To fly. Lastly, as I close and Others see that you're a man or a woman of God. I had a good friend. He was my associate pastor. And I loved him. His name was Tim Keeling. Tim Keeling was a great, great man. He was my youth pastor. And I love him. He was a great photographer. He was my youth pastor with me in Colorado. And he'd taken some pictures of the Colorado National Monument and just beautiful, and also Mark Garfield, and just great pictures, and I just had the other day, this is why this story's coming to me, why I'm telling you from my sermon, uh, just the other day, I pulled them out, and saw these pictures, and Karen, it brought back tears to me, it really did, and Tim Keeling was a soldier for God, just Molly, just an incredible soldier for God. When I left Colorado, Tim left too, and he just recently got married, and he left, and he moved into Denver, and he went to help out at a team challenge in Denver. True story. Went to help out summer at a team challenge in Denver. Hey, little man, you want to preach? Give me five. All right. And he went to help out in Denver, right? And he had his truck up for sale, and so his wife said, honey, will you go, get, go to the store and get some milk? So he went to the store and got some milk, and had the for sale sign in his truck. So he came out of the store, and two guys approached him and said, Hey, uh, uh, I see you got your truck for sale. And Tim said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, can we try it, drive it? Can you take us for a ride? Yeah. Lo and behold, they kidnapped my son, my friend, Tim Keeling. Took him out in the sand dunes of Utah, and they took his life. Stole his truck. And who it was was two escapees that broke free from the penitentiary in Oklahoma. And they got all the way to Denver, Colorado, and they kidnapped him. His body was so decomposed that they couldn't identify him, but only by one thing. On his ring finger, obviously, was his wedding ring. But on the opposite finger was his class ring. And it read on his class ring, a graduate of Christian life school. So they traced the ring back to Christian life school, which was in Grand Junction, Colorado. And they discovered that, lo and behold, 
It was Tim Keeling. At the gravesite, when they placed the tomb and the stone over his gravesite, it read these words I fought the fight, I kept the faith, and I finished the race. If there was a man of God that I could say that I loved with all my heart, that really showed an example of a man of God. It was Tim Keeling. And he died as a martyr for God. You see, the heart of the Father is for you to be a man and a woman of God. To stand up and be accounted for. I'm going to close this service this way. If you really mean business with God today, in your Romans 1.16, where you're not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of the man unto God, we're going to enlist today. And how we're going to enlist, Caleb, is this. By the count of three, Allie, if you mean business with God, and you say, God, I want to join, and I want to stand up and be accountable for God, by the count of three, I want you to jump to your feet and say, I enlist in the army of God. If you mean business with God, if you mean business with God, I want you to jump to your feet at the count of three, Greg. Say, I, I want to enlist in this army of God. Lisa, this is for you. And when you stand, Lisa, now this is prophetic right now, Lisa. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know a lot about you. I promise you, I really don't. No one's ever told me about you. I don't know anything about you. But your past is behind you. Stop holding on to that and let people judge you. You are behind that. You are free. God loves you fearfully and wonderfully. He's setting you free to be all you're supposed to be. Today is your breakthrough. Your miracles, signs, and wonders are coming. The past is yesterday. Your day is new. Today is a new day, a new beginning. You are free indeed. You're going to find new joy now. Fulfillment's coming to your life. You're free. Now, the count of three. Are you ready, young man? This little guy's all ready to jump. God wants you to enlist, Marlene. He wants you to enlist. Come on, Harlan. He wants you to enlist with your brother today. What a great opportunity. Harlan's with his older brother today that they're going to enlist together in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine when God comes, they might fly up like the flying nuns together. See, Liz, it's a new day for you. It's a new day for you, too. A new day for you. When you stand up, the shackles are coming off. The shackles are coming off. You're free. You watch and see. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. You have to expect that. You have to believe that. You have to receive that in your spirit. Because God wants to do it. Mark, new day for you. New day for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to enlist today? Are you ready to enlist? Come on, are you ready? Some of you look like you're half awake. This, look, look, you guys are ready to jump up. I'm, I'm loving them already. They look like Jack in the box. Dun, 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 right? Come on. Count of three. You're going to say, 
We're going to say it together. I'm ready to enlist in the kingdom of God. One, two, three. Come on. Step to your feet. I'm ready to enlist in the kingdom of God. Come on. Come on. What it's all about. Your tombstone. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. I finished the race. That's you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that today, God, we have fought the fight. We're keeping the faith. And someday we're going to finish this race. Not now, but we're in it now to be the best that we can be for you. I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, that people will know, sense, and feel that we are peculiar and different because of the Spirit of God that lives within us. The past is behind us. The future is ahead of us. And so, Father, today we thank you that the heart of the Father is to be more like you. So, Father, give us the strength, the ability, the opportunity to witness and to share you, Lord Jesus. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all God's people said, amen. Now, come on, give them praise. Amen. Now, you walk out of here with your head high, knowing you're forgiven and you're brought with a price. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If you want to keep up with all that is going on here at Adventure Church, please download our app by texting AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 for a direct link. Or visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.